eastern end of the Sunset Strip is a hotel they call Chateau Marmont. And boy, has it seen some times. She also had a private entrance and she was entertaining male companions during her quote-unquote honeymoon. That really set the tenor for the place. But this week, the chateau's owner announced that the hotel to the stars for nearly a century was about to become a private members club. Not that it was ever easy to get into. It used to be that if you met someone charming on Sunset Boulevard and you were both fancy free, you could find a room at Chateau Marmont. And now it's impossible to imagine anyone staying there long term. It literally would be cheaper to buy a $10 million house. So what stories could the old place tell us if it could speak? And what does the future hold for it? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from the Times and the Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, adieu, Chateau Marmont. Chateau Marmont is just a place you go if you are just even remotely connected. This is Jen Hoffman. She used to be a reporter for what you might call gossip magazines. Us Weekly, OK Magazine, People Magazine, Esquire. Freelance, always. I've never really gone into an office. But she wasn't just a phone-you-up-and-interview-you kind of reporter. She was also the who's-sitting-with-who-in-the-alcove kind. I was like the CIA for Us Weekly. I was basically hired because I was you know, considered like a cute young girl who can get into any place and I was able to blend in. The things that they look for of somebody who's not going to stand out in a negative way, which is a horrible thing about Hollywood, but it's just true. And based on that, they wanted me to be the eyes and ears for us weekly. What do I see? Who do I see? For a while, it was just kind of wild and fun. During those years, Jen became an expert in talking her way into parties or using the odd trick, you know, like while waiting in line, throw your phone charger over the wall of the exclusive venue. That one. And then when they said you weren't on the list, I would say, no, no, I'm in there. I dropped my phone charger. I can't even show you where it is. And they, I would point it out, Go. The security would take me in, and they go, oh, you were invited. That's it, boom, in the party. Sometimes you have to take on like different personas. Like You can kind of go up to the party like a lost fawn. Like, I knew here, and my friend said to come here, and his name is, and use the name of somebody who you were told is okay to use on the list even if the list was tight and they weren't supposed to have a plus one. One time, actor Josh Brolin even helped her gatecrash an Oscars party without even realising it. Sometimes like, smoking would really help. So you have to light a cigarette and go, if the party had no smoking, it's like go outside. And Josh Brolin came outside to smoke a cigarette. I actually didn't have a lighter. And he gave me a lighter and we started talking. And then we just, I just walked in with him because we were chatting. So they assumed I was a guest. It was a huge, it was an Oscar party for Black Swan, very tight guest list. I think it's like I went to Los Angeles to become an actress and I, and I achieved that through working at, at these magazines. You really had to and I got so into it. I loved it. It's just like a game every night that I had to win to get in. Chen's assignment from Us Weekly was to go to the Chateau Marmont twice a week and find out who was getting up to what, with who, or with what. These were her instructions. Go with a friend, order dinner, order a bottle of wine right off the bat. You know, it doesn't have to be a terribly expensive one, but make sure it's in a good range. And then about an hour later, order another one. If they like you and, and your guest and feel like you fit the bill, you, you can become a regular. I would see everything and remember everything really well, but I, it was kind of like a line I didn't cross. But I gave them enough, you know, to, to have a story. And that was really my job. But there's all these other kind of deeper, more adjacent memories of seeing 
celebrities really in there having their private moments that was that I just felt like I should keep private because it's almost like it was like a spiritual thing. You just don't invade people's little bubble there. Jen's intel bagged some big stories. Like the night the kind Mr. Brolin helped her get into that Oscars party. Scarlett Johansson, Sean Penn hanging out. They're both recently divorced. Dating rumors have been floating around, and Scarlett's people denied her and Sean were a couple. Sean and Scarlett were spotted holding hands around LA and at parties. However, for Jen, one encounter turned out rather awkwardly. So that was a really wild night at Chateau Marmont. That was a night that just, there was a certain energy in the air when you got in through the door and went into the, the dining area outside, which was like a little, almost like a, like a garden courtyard. I'm sure they have a much more eloquent description of what it is, but it's truly beautiful. And it, it, it just lit perfectly and everything's twinkling and everyone's drinking a little bit of champagne and wine. And Rachel Hunter was there. Rachel Hunter is apparently a model and an actress who you may know more about than I do. She was either drinking or just having a wonderful time, and she was doing, like, high kicks, kind of like a kick line, maybe cheerleader. She was trying on other people's glasses at other tables, like, from their face, and and no one was upset by it. It was just fun. So I wrote a tweet about that, something about Rachel Hunter. I don't even remember the tweet. Something like, Rachel Hunter's off the chain tonight, you know, doing high kicks, having fun, enjoying herself, Chateau Marmont. Also at the Chateau Marmont that night was the actor who was then causing the teens of the world to swoon right away, Robert Pattinson. He was sitting way in the back, tucked away, and there was a girl with him that, quite pretty, a little bit girl next door, not really movie star looking. And there was a third person with them that I don't remember. I had written a tweet about him being there. I was like, either this is like his sister and it's weird, or this is his girlfriend, you know? Like, they seem like very familiar with each other, more so the third party seemed like, a person they were with just in case, so they could say they were with, you know, a group. But he was clearly there with her. And I tweeted something really, like, innocuous. Something like, you know, he's just here with another girl. Ooh. Because there were a hundred people there. You know, other people could clearly see with their eyes what was happening, and not every person in there is a celebrity. But I deleted the tweet because I thought, what if he does want to hide it? And that was that. And I enjoyed my night. And I had a night that I didn't think was going to be any different than any other nights. Until I got the phone call. Jen had been caught breaking the cardinal rule. We can say it together. What happens in Chateau Marmont stays in Chateau Marmont. The maitre d', he said, you know, unfortunately we can't accommodate your reservation. And I was like, what? You know, are you just too full? And he said, no, you, you tweeted. We have a policy that, you know, no people can tweet. This is private. So you're banned for one year and we'll revisit it in one year next April. I had people calling me from all over the world to ask me about it and to interview me. And I just was like, wow, this is a big deal. How did you feel about that? Robert Pattinson is not a person anymore. He is an industry to people. And people not believing he's still with Christian Stewart. It was around that time where the Twilight series is, it's a whole industry. It employs tons of people. It makes beyond comprehension amount of money and not upholding certain things about that affects. Just, there are people in charge that cannot have that. Rachel Hunter's people, they probably weren't that happy with it, but it's not a big deal. She's a, clearly somebody who's just having fun and people enjoyed her. So that really, that, that wasn't anything that could hurt anyone. But the Robert Pattinson tweet certainly could. About two weeks later, Jen quit her job with Us Weekly. At Us Weekly, when I got into the more, what are these celebs doing, tell us. And the more access I got from just being around, the more friendly I became with people. I just didn't want to report on their lives. It just felt wrong. And when you're doing something that doesn't feel 
right to you. You're not, you're not really living in peace. Chen's experience of the Chateau Marmont was that it was luxurious, exclusive and glitzy. But has it always been that way? Chateau Marmont is a little castle-looking building that's on a hillside along Sunset Boulevard. This is Sean Levy. He's the author of a book called The Castle on Sunset, Life, Death, Love, Art and Scandal at Hollywood's Chateau Marmont. That's quite a title. I believe the British title is slightly different, but this is the one I had pinned to the wall as I was writing. Sean Levy is an expert on the Chateau Marmont. If you've never been, and most of us haven't, here's what you'd see on approach. It comes at a turn in the road. If you approach it from Hollywood and Los Angeles, you sort of see this thing that doesn't have a sign. And by the time you start wondering what it is, the road has turned to the south and it's no longer in view. It's kind of beguiling. It's got a a turret and a bunch of balconies. It's white and L-shaped. It's designed specifically after a castle in the Loire Valley of France. And it's, it's always had a bit of a mysterious air to it. When it was built, it had no sign. When they finally put a sign in front of the place, it was down the hill and down the street. That's kind of weird for Hollywood, isn't it? Because everything has a big sign there. Right. It was designed in the 1920s as an apartment house. So it wasn't meant to sort of cater to passing traffic. There was no lobby. There was no restaurant. There was no bar. For the first 20 years, there was no swimming pool. It it was designed sort of for for a different purpose so that when it became a hotel, it was an unusual hotel. The man who bought the building in the 1930s was Alfred E. Smith, one of the founders of the movie business. He turned it into a hotel. It's been a hotel now for almost 90 years. You used to enter through a lobby that was up a flight of stairs off of Sunset Boulevard. And that lobby had a tiny little reception desk and a rather dowdy seating area. It looked like somebody's aunt's home in in the suburbs or a small city, kind of bric-a-brac and unmatched pieces of furniture. It was famously put together with pieces that were bought at estate sales during the Depression. So you went into this place that... It was very eccentric. It was a folly. It was it was like somebody found a stag's head and a leather couch, and they put that next to a, a, a couch with a pink fabric, next to a couch with a green fabric. It was, it was a kind of crazy-looking place. The rooms were all different. The, the architecture didn't quite jibe. Literally, you can go in a closet and find a door, and inside your closet is an inner, inner closet. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've ever seen one of those before. No, and and aficionados of the hotel will try and stay in as many of the rooms as possible because every experience is slightly different. So, in many ways, this is not a promising venue for the most famous and sometimes the wealthiest denizens of Hollywood to stay at, and yet they did. They did. It, you know, it, in part because it was an apartment hotel and not a hotel hotel, it was favored by European guests, guests from New York, film people, theater people, people in advertising, people in book publishing, people in fashion, um, because it felt like back home. It was a small hotel. It didn't have swarms of people milling about in the lobby. The entrance was discreet and tiny. 
if you're a long-term tenant, if you're there for, say, three months to make a film or a year to work on a TV series, a lot of people like to cook their own meals or just have the sense like, oh, I have enough room here to spread out. I have a living room and a bedroom. Um, so it was if you had your own home, but you had maid service, so there was some semblance of hotel life, yet it felt like an apartment. So it's major selling point is actually privacy. Always has been. Harry Cohn, the head of Columbia Pictures, famously told his young actors, if you want to be seen, go to the Beverly Hills. If you don't want to be seen, go to Chateau Marmont. This was a time when movie studios essentially owned their actors. Public image was tightly controlled. But at the Chateau Marmont, the private self could emerge. Whatever happened there stayed there. They did a really good job of keeping the place under wraps. Let's talk about what went on under wraps, because some fairly famous things did and some not-so-famous things did. And this is really an excuse, Sean, for us to enjoy ourselves with the doings of the great, the famous, and the dead and famous. Yes. Well, the first person who really turned the place into a sort of playground was Jean Harlow, the sexpot actress of the 1930s. She was about 21 years old and on her third marriage, which had been arranged by the studio to an old bachelor cinematographer. And they took two rooms at Chateau Marmont and connected them. I'm gonna go places and look life in the face. But hers had a lock from the inside, so her husband couldn't visit her unless she wished him to. But she also had a private entrance, and she was entertaining male companions during her quote-unquote honeymoon. And that went on for several months until there was a bust up and they went their separate ways. But that really set the tenor for the place. And that was, again, the way the hotel came to be seen. It was sort of like a shack-up place. Uh, if, if if anyone knew that you were at Chateau Marmont, they would assume your marriage was, was in a wreck or you were engaged in some sort of uh, an affair or you were using a lot of drugs or boozing. And that, that was the shorthand for it. Oh, he's at Chateau Marmont these days. In the 1950s, I think the most spectacular episode happened there. And also the greatest work of art associated with the hotel. The director, Nicholas Ray, he lived there for six years in, in a bungalow, and he was making the film Rebel Without a Cause during that time. He wrote the script with Stuart Stern while he was living there. He cast the movie in his bungalow at Chateau Marmont. He had young actors and high school students who were you know, cavorting on Sunset Boulevard come up to the hotel and read lines. He was a bisexual man who apparently carried on affairs with several of his actors, including the underage stars Natalie Wood and Sal Mineo. There's speculation that he had a sexual relationship with James Dean, who of course was the star of the film. But all of this was going on in his bungalow, including these 
regular Sunday parties out at the pool that began as pool parties and became late night reefer. We're talking about the, the 1950s reefer sessions, marijuana and booze and bongos, very beatnik scene. And the, the, the intense melodrama of that film and the, the, the great sense of emotions bubbling just under the surface, I think has a lot to do with the hothouse atmosphere that Nicholas Ray was living in and drew this cast into at Chateau Marmont. Do you mean if we were to go out and see Rebel Without a Cause now, we should look at it with the eyes of someone who knows that the night before they shot this scene or that scene, they were all together parting like mad in the Chateau Marmont? I know where it was. Where what was? Where I first saw you. Everything going okay now? You live here, don't you? Who lives? Hey, where's Dawson High? At University in 10th. Oh, thanks. You wanna carry my books? I got my car. You wanna go with me? I go with the kids. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. There's an incredible intimacy to that film. And you wonder, you know, in, in the sense that a movie director is sort of like a, a sports team coach. How do you achieve that? How do you get these strangers to to sort of gel and, and work together so well? And, you know, Ray was one of these people. He, many of his films have a, a provocative psychology for films made in the 40s and 50s. He made King of Kings and he had this hippie Jesus. And it was like, how, how do you do that and still have a movie studio sign off on your work? And he was very good at creating that sort of atmosphere and it bled into his private life or vice versa. Chateau Marmont, a place of creativity, intimacy, illegality, and sometimes, alas something more final. There have been a couple of deaths there. There were suicides and a well-known songwriter took his own life there in the late 1950s. Most famously in the early 1980s, John Belushi and members of the cast of Saturday Night Live used to stay at Chateau Marmont when they were on the West Coast making films or, or doing other television work. And Belushi lived there during the period of time when his life spiraled out of control. And it was sort of like an open secret that he was using hard drugs. And there was really nothing anyone associated with the hotel can do. They were not in the business of calling police and saying, hey, we think we have a guest using drugs. They, they would quickly be out of business if they did that in Hollywood. So famously, the hotel is the site that John Belushi you know, took his last breath in. The death of John Belushi was the first time that many people, even in Los Angeles, began to know what Chateau Marmont was. Comic actor John Belushi died today at a rented hotel bungalow in the Hollywood Hills. Authorities say that cause of death is believed to have been a heart attack. Fire department medics said they were called to the hotel where they found Belushi unconscious and choking. And if you do as I did, and you look at press coverage of the hotel going back to the 1920s, they always have to explain what it is until Belushi dies. And then once he dies, it's the hotel where John Belushi died. And nobody interviews anyone at Chateau Marmont without mentioning that it's where John Belushi dies. So after Belushi's death, there was a ghoulish fascination with the sight of his death. And soon after he died, the painter Jean-Michel Basquiat and the funk star Rick James 
both of whom were to die of drug-related causes, wound up renting the room that Belushi stated they requested it specifically. In addition to a ghoulish allure, it seems to have you know, almost been like a haunted room that, that attracts bad energy and bad fate. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As the years passed, Chateau Marmont embraced the new culture of celebrity in Hollywood. One of the great stories is uh, when Lindsay Lohan stayed there in about 2014, she was in residence at the hotel. This was at a time when the room was perhaps seven or $800 a night. She and her friends were very liberal in using the mini bar and room service and eating at the hotel restaurant and charging uh, their meals to the room. She was making a, 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 a made-for-television film and she had thought she could fob it off on her producers and they said, well, we're not paying this bill. Chateau Marmont, the restaurant, is the, the place where Britney Spears, when she was having a, a, an episode of mental breakdown at a, at a restaurant, smeared food all over herself and was reported to management by Victoria Beckham. It's the place where famously, perhaps or perhaps not, Scarlett Johansson and Benicio Del Toro had sex in the elevator on Oscar night. More recently, the past two years, there has been an Oscar night after party in the garage of the hotel, hosted by Jay-Z and Beyonce. It's basically in a car park. And they say, this is the last picture you'll take. When you get yeah. down the stairs, they have a sign that says that, where you're like, oh, OK, no phones, no social media, no nothing. And then you get in and you're like, oh, that's why. Why, that's why. This is like hallowed ground. And it was set up like a speakeasy from the 1920s, and it was like the coolest thing anyone had ever seen. That party mm-hmm. is like amazing. Yeah. Right. It was amazing. There are legends about what Led Zeppelin got up to while they were there. They're simply not true. The year they were there, they were opening for other bands and they were not well known. The next year when they came back was after the Charles Manson family murders of Sharon Tate and the the LaBianca family. Because Chateau Marmont was situated against a hill and it was kind of private and sort of shadowy, Zeppelin's management didn't feel like it was safe. There was very little in the way of security. You know, this was the 1960s. Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate their previous address to the home where she was murdered was Chateau Marmont. She became pregnant while they were living at the Chateau. 
He was in London scouting movie locations. And she said she didn't want to bring a baby home to a hotel. She wanted a house. Eight months into her pregnancy on August 9th, 1969, she, along with her unborn baby boy and four of her friends, were slain at Sharon and Roman's rented home in Beverly Hills. They rented the house from Doris Day's son, Terry Melcher. And that's who Manson thought he was going for when he sent his minions off to commit murder. Led Zeppelin gave the place a pass for safety reasons. But for some, the hotel was a kind of sanctuary from discrimination. It's been a safe haven since at least the 1940s. It was owned at the time by a German banker, Erwin Oskar Brettauer, who literally funded the opposition to Hitler. He came to the United States and he bought a lot of buildings in New York and Los Angeles and he owned Chateau Marmont. It was a place where gay men and women were always welcome. The swimming pool in the 1950s was kind of a gay watering hole, literally. It was also the first hotel in Hollywood and West Los Angeles to break the color line in the 1950s. Black guests were not permitted at the Beverly Hills or Beverly Wilshire or Bel Air, the similar hotels that catered to show folk. And in the 1950s, he started admitting black guests. The first one was Duke Ellington. And Ellington actually wrote an album while he used to like to compose in his head while he was taking long walks. So he wandered the halls of the hotel and wrote uh, an album of music based on the Pier Gint Suites. And for that reason alone, we could be grateful, couldn't we, for the cultural influence of Chateau Marmont? That's true. There are scripts and novels that have been written there. There are TV series that have been written there. And a lot of that has been because it's it's got this creative energy. And that's quite interesting because it's now being turned into a private members club. And I suppose the question is, wasn't it always in a, in a way a kind of private members club? It, you know, it was in the sense that it was secretive, it was tiny, it placed a high premium on discretion among its staff and your fellow guests. And lately, because it's been so expensive, when John Belushi died in, in the bungalow, that room was renting, the bungalow was renting for $250 a night. Today, it goes for closer to $4,000 a night. 4000 that increase well outpaces the rate of inflation. In a sense, it has priced out the average guest. It used to be that if you met someone charming on Sunset Boulevard and you were both fancy free, you could find a room at Chateau Marmont at midnight and spend the evening or the weekend or the week. And now it's impossible to imagine anyone staying there long term, long enough to write a screenplay or cover the O.J. Simpson trial as a journalist or in the case of Nicholas Ray, the filmmaker who made Rebel Without a Cause, lived there for six years. It literally would be cheaper to buy a $10 million house. <laughs> so so those sort of bohemians and, and you know, the serendipitous hookup people, they've been priced out of this place for a while. Why is Chateau Marmont now closing as a hotel? What's happened? Well, they closed in originally back in March, as almost every sector of the hospitality business in the United States had to because of COVID, because they, they didn't have travelers coming through, film production stopped. So there, you know, people weren't coming from New York or you know, Europe to to stay there for three months in order to make a movie, that sort of thing. Most of the staff were fired, not not furloughed, but actually let go. 
some of the people who were let go have been there since the 1980s. There are employees, you know, one of, one of the great charms of Chateau Marmont is the long-term employees. And you might get up to antics, but they served John Belushi. <laughs> You're not going to impress them. And, and you know, I, I think that's the danger that, you know, something of the spirit of the hotel, whether that be the staff or the idea of serendipity or, and creativity seeping out of the walls. I think that once you have a private members-only situation and perhaps you're catering more to venture capitalists and hedge fund managers and Silicon Valley uh, you know, lords of tech, you might not have the same sort of you know, bohemian charm and, and you know, artistic spirit that you have previously in the hotel. Given that you spent so much time looking at Chateau Marmont and with it, and now it's going to be a private members club, do you feel that we've lost something? Oh, absolutely. You know, they, they've done a brilliant job in, under the current owners of restoring the hotel and making it quite posh. But it looks like a posh hotel from the 40s and 50s, which it never was. And when you go there now, you can't help but feel there's history here. There's, it feels like a public asset, something private that the public should have uh, access to. And losing it feels bad. It feels like you know, so, someone's bought your childhood home and won't let you in when you pass through your hometown to just have a look. And, and uh, it remains to be seen. I, I believe the scheme will work and that it's a way of keeping the hotel in business. But I think this is a case of selling off the crown jewels in order to spare the castle. It, it may be a price too high. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guests, author of Castle on Sunset, Sean Levy, and former Us Weekly reporter, Jen Hoffman. The producer was Leona Hamid, and the executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Vulcan Kisseltuk, music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Times Radio app. Also, in these uncertain times, you can access analysis, opinion and advice from the experts every day with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe today to find out more. See you soon. Hi, John Simpson here to tell you about a new podcast. C.J. Davis was shot dead in broad daylight on September the 4th, 2017, in Newham, East London. He was 14 years old. The case remains unsolved. I called my child full of beans, and I remember getting a book that actually said that, and I said, this is you to the T, calling you full of beans, because from he was able to walk or run, he was running. I'm John Simpson, the crime correspondent for The Times. This is a special series looking at what happened that day and in the months leading up to C.J.'s murder. We'll be trying to find answers. We'll speak to people who have never spoken before. I've heard a hundred million stories from like, the media. About how CJ ended up at the center of a simmering gang war and what happened that day. And I've seen things online that people have like bragged about shooting him. We'll explore how a young boy obsessed with dancing rapidly slipped from struggling at school into a world of combat knives, body armor, crack cocaine and heroin. And finally, a stolen car a shotgun. 
when you have gangs that can make a young black boy feel better about himself than society, we're in trouble. Who killed CJ Davis? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Acast. And now we're available on the Times Radio app, along with all the other podcasts from the Times. To download the app, search for Times Radio on your app store.